This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm Ryan England, the co-host, and I'm here with Jeremy. Welcome back, everyone. So we're going to dig into a little bit of marketing today. I know for a lot of home service companies out there, marketing is one of those things that everybody knows they need to do. They know they need to do it better. They need to get better results, but sometimes they're just not quite sure how. Our guest today has been a marketer for nearly 15 years, works a lot with HVAC and plumbing companies. He's been a frequent speaker at colleges, universities, industry groups, and is even a consultant for Oklahoma State University. I want to introduce Ryan Redding today's show. Ryan, thanks for being here. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. So everybody's got an opinion about marketing. They need to do more. They need a better ROI, whatever that may be. Help me understand, what is one of the biggest myths from your perspective about your industry? Yeah, that's tough because I feel like starting off cold, most people think that most marketers are just selling snake oil. Like they're full of crap. And they're just saying, you know, promising the moon, whatever, just to close the deal. And I got to tell you, there are those guys, like they exist, but there's some really good people and really smart groups out there who are doing solid work to help guys grow. So I think one of the biggest myths is just that it's all scam because that sucks for everybody. Well, that's going to lead me to my next question. So I know a lot of people that have been burned. How do you separate the guys that are selling snake oil or the scammers from the ones that aren't? Like, what are some warning signs people can look for? Yeah, this is going to sound awful because I don't know about you guys, but for us, like we don't find our clients, our clients come to us. So I know these guys, look, we work with plumbing shops, HVAC shops. We have a handful of electrical contractors, but they're all like blue collar trades guys. And they get bombarded by emails, promising them page one listings, sales calls for everything under the sun. There's a whole lot of people selling a whole lot of things. And we kind of do the opposite. We just do good work for the clients we work with which in turn gets us happy people, which in turn gets them to refer other people to us. So we kind of take the approach of the really best marketers don't do a whole lot of harassing you on the phone to get you to call. They just do the good work and that's kind of their focus. And that's kind of how we think about it at DP. So they let the results speak for themselves. I love that. So I know that you work with guys in this space that are at all levels of business. Maybe they're still in the truck Maybe sometimes they're in the truck, sometimes they're out of the truck, or maybe they got a leadership team that's helping them. So, I mean, you work from, with small companies all the way up to some of the larger ones. In your experience, what's the one thing that you've seen holding most businesses back? I'm just going to come out and say it. This is going to sound really cheesy and cliche. I'm just going to say leadership, right? At its core, and especially like in this era of COVID, it was really fascinating. I mean, look, let's just start here. COVID was tough for everybody across the board. It hasn't been fun. There was like levels of uncertainty that I've never seen. But the companies who were able to not just survive, but thrive through all that uncertainty, they weren't necessarily doing like better marketing or better tactics or whatever. They just had better leadership in place. And they were just flexing the muscles that they've been building on for years. So I would say that the difference between like a good company and a great company hands down leadership. And that might sound corny and cliche, but whatever, that's where I'm going to hang my hat. That's fantastic. Can you give us maybe just paint a little bit of a picture of 
a situation you saw that was great leadership through this and maybe one that you saw that leaders are a little bit stronger, we'd have gotten more out of this. Yeah, there's tons of examples. And chances are the guys listening to this right now and gals probably know of examples in their own market space. But right when the lockdowns started happening, and just to kind of rewind the wheel, because everyone knows their own unique experience as it relates to COVID, but there was no like uniform federalized response. It was left up to local governments to make these decisions. So we saw this like piecemeal response from a marketing standpoint, whereas certain states and a certain counties and a certain cities would go on various types of lockdown, we would see like market demand change. Consequently, the businesses within those markets, they would respond differently. The companies who did well, they didn't hide from it. They actually enhanced their marketing. They used this as a chance to increase their market share. They doubled down on deploying technology. So you had tools that would allow them to do like virtual service calls. So while everyone's afraid for their life, but yet stuck at home, <laughs> these companies are able to run calls with their tech in the driveway or at their shop and keep the customers completely safe. They were investing in things like how to provide customer experience virtually, right? When there's no direct contact and your sales process would have to change. These companies thrived in the midst of all the chaos. They did fantastic. Other companies did the exact opposite. They scaled back their marketing. They started letting guys go quickly. They maybe started getting really paranoid about how they were running certain calls. Or we actually saw some guys who just wanted to pretend like none of the chaos existed and their customers pushed them aside because of it. This was a time where companies who had exceptional Google reviews forever leveraged that momentum. And the guys who didn't have a good reputation online, they really struggled. So it was this really night and day sort of change of, we saw a lot of guys even that we worked with have record revenue months all through COVID. And we have other guys who we worked with who struggle to kind of get their mindset above just surviving in the chaos. So the mindset of growth versus survival it really did paint a very two different outcomes. It has been an interesting watch in all of that because we definitely saw some of our clients have their best years ever while we watched some of their competitors drown. And in fact, one of my clients' huge wins was their large competitors fell out of the marketplace due to COVID and somehow they were picking up momentum and picking up steam. The two things that I really heard you say there was, one was leadership teams that were really strong and healthy. They were aggressive. They knew how to push forward in the market, but they also had an adaptability. So they're aggressive and adaptable versus real stoic. And they got cinched down and fearful. Some got bold, some got backwards. So, Yeah, it's kind of the, the old sort of expression that smooth waters never a skill sailor makes, right? Like when the economy is going well, it's easy to make money. When things are stable and customers are good, it's easy to make money. When uncertainty hits the fan, when customers are anxious, when everything is confusing, that's when the best of the best step up. And that's where guys who want to become the best of the best, that's when they start putting their head like above the rest of the crowd. It was really fascinating to watch from a marketing standpoint. It was great from our standpoint too. One thing I want to push into right here is I heard you say something at the very beginning of this was that you get most of your clients come to you versus you're reaching out to them, which is an interesting thing to hear from a marketing person who most of us are looking to hire somebody to go proactively out in the world to. So how do you explain that to a, someone that says, hey, I'm doing great work as a plumber. I got a good reputation. I'm not getting the leads. 
Like, how do you help with that versus going to the SEO and all the other stuff and doing whatever marketers do? Yeah. So it's funny. One of the pillars that we build on is reputation. Like, so there's a joke in marketing that great marketing makes a bad product fail faster. So if a company has really poor service, they don't know how to take care of people. There is no amount of digital sorcery that will make them succeed. All we're going to do is drive them to the scene of the crash faster. So a huge focus for us is excellent customer experience because the influence that that has both on customers being able to refer to other potential customers, but also on things like Google map rankings, Google local services, SEO rankings organically, the influence of reputation, it's hard to exaggerate in this day and age. So even though, yes, we do recommend like traditional SEO and local SEO and pay-per-click and things like that, there is no replacing good old-fashioned customer experience at its core. So that I think never changes no matter what the medium is. Oh, that's great. I love that conversation about experience because I've seen it happen where you do a great job for somebody and you hope they go tell the world. You might have to do that for 10, 12, 15 people before one person hears about it. But on the bad customer experience, that one person's going to tell 10, 15, 20 They're people. not going to shut up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see that a lot where guys are struggling to get good reviews online. They're like, People have no problem leaving me the bad reviews, (laughs) but getting these good ones is such a challenge. You know, it's funny. I actually disagree with that point. I feel like, not to knock any certain fast food restaurant, but it seems like every time I go to this certain restaurant in our neighborhood with our kids, they always come up and say, hey, if you go to the bottom of your seat, you'll get a $20 off your next meal or whatever, right? I've never done it. I don't know one person who's ever done this like go online and fill out this survey and you'll get something in return. People just don't care. However, I would say that people want to generally help people. So if you took care of the customer, if you wowed them with your experience, and if you just honestly said, look, it would really mean the world to me. If you would take 10 seconds to leave a review for us on Google, you have no idea how important those reviews are for us in this day and age. It would really go a long way. Would you do that? Chances are, I mean, those customers have no problem wanting to help, like no problem. But once you get in your truck and once you're going on to the next job, that customer is going to get distracted. They're going to get dance recital or football practice or whatever else is going on in their life. It doesn't mean that they don't care about you and they weren't impressed. Life happens. So the way you ask goes a long way, but you have to make it seem like it's meaningful and personally important to you, not just a going through your script that you're supposed to do when you're closing out a deal. I can see some of our listeners right now they're driving, listen to this, and they're thinking, I love that, Ryan. Now, how do I get my text to do that before they hop back in the truck? But I think that diving into that would probably be a whole episode in just itself. Um, yeah, that's a fun topic too. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. So I want to get back to something you said about COVID and what you saw with the different companies. You saw some that said, hey, you know what? I need to pull back I need to feel safe. Like that's really what I heard. I don't know that you use that word, but I need to feel safer about my business. I'm going to let some people go. I'm going to protect the revenue that I had. And you saw other guys that were like, floor it. Like, let's just go. And the ones that floored it when COVID hit, like they're all of a sudden taking market share. They're doing great. I know Jeremy mentioned this. I've had some clients had their best year ever in 2020 because they didn't get scared and they just pushed through it. So As a business owner, or even a business leader, if you're in that mindset of comfort, like I need to protect the business, 
how would someone break out of that? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen work for breaking out of that comfort and be willing to take that risk and just push your business forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would probably make an argument that most leaders only respond to fires. They only respond to chaos, right? If something is wrong, it jumps to their attention and they will do whatever they need to do to put out the fire. But sometimes there are no fires, right? Sometimes things are smooth. There's not really a problem. There's not really a squeaky wheel. In that case, I would actually make the argument that good leaders set fires. They create the problem that needs to be extinguished. And sometimes that can be little, like, guys, the way that we're deploying our technology is worthless. We need to do better. We need to do better about the customer experience. We need to do better about how we answer the phones. What we're doing is insufficient. It was good for two years ago. It's no longer sufficient. The best leaders, even in little things, when things are smooth, they're going to create a fire. And this also creates unity with their teams, right? Because now all the team can unite around putting out this one fire because the leader drew attention to it. So it's kind of interesting. I think there's always a case for a fire to exist and a fire to be extinguished as a team. Sometimes it's completely good if those fires are self-created. No, I, I'm thinking of a couple of clients I know right now when things get too simple or things are working too well, the owner will come in and he'll be like, hey, what can we break? I need something to fix. Like he'll start his own fire. So I love the way you explain that. But for those people that don't have that natural inclination to start fires, I know that you're a big fan of learning and fluency and topics and those kinds of things to basically enhance their skills. What are some tips or recommendations you have for our listeners who don't naturally go, hey, everything's looking good. Let's start a fire so we can get better. How do they overcome that? So to kind of the larger point there, I do encourage and I do recommend any sort of continuing education, formal or not right? So if your background, for instance, is in plumbing, you're a good plumber and you just built up this business. So now you're the owner of a plumbing business. You're not turning wrenches anymore. Learn other skills that are complementary to help your business grow, or at least the concepts. Take night classes at a community college to understand financial accounting. Like push yourself to that so that you understand how to hold other people accountable. It doesn't mean that you're expected to be an accountant. That's nonsense. But get yourself to the point of learning to find opportunities through hardship. And that means flexing muscles that maybe you've never flexed before or didn't even know you had. So sometimes it means cross-training, like going from plumbing to HVAC or some plumbing to accounting. Sometimes that means just getting an entirely different exposure. If you've been out of a truck for a while, get back in a truck for a week or two. Get an idea of what that's like. It's almost like, what was the show, The uh, Undercover Boss? Like get in the actual shoes and face your customers again, head on. That sort of experience can go a long way. Eventually, you're going to get yourself the either the courage or the insight to either see a fire that you didn't know was one or to create a fire where you didn't know needed to be one. One of those two, I think, will happen if you push yourself to new boundaries. Wow, that's fantastic. So do you have a couple of real practical things that they can do to start that journey not the big part, not go back to continue education or anything, but like one of the two things that you've seen some of your clients use to break through and really just start that journey. Yeah. I think generally speaking, one, it's get involved with these trade groups online on Facebook. There are dozens of dozens of them. It doesn't matter if you're a roofer or if you're a you window sidings, or if you do like plumbing or HVC, there are tons of groups online of guys just like you who are always sharing best practices, things that work in their market, things that they're struggling with. And it's just a great way to get peers around you. 
Two, get a part of a trade association that more formally does that sort of training, right? There are tons of groups. Like, so in our space with plumbing and HVAC guys, one of the giants is a group called Nexstar. They do fantastic coaching from CSR training, the sales training to inventory management. They help make you become not a plumber, but a business owner. And they help you transition to that road. And I know that that's a lot of the work that you guys do a lot with helping these guys build their business acumen, take their business up a notch so that the business isn't running them, that they can run the business. Find people who have been there, who have been in your shoes and have gone down that road before you and let them feed into you. Ask them the questions. Running a business of any type, it's lonely, it's exhausting. You don't feel like you have anyone to talk to about the struggles you're having or the fears that you're facing. But there are other guys who feel just like you and they're willing to help. They're willing to engage. Use common sense, right? Like, so my recommendation, don't try to talk with people in your same market space. That could be awkward, but find people in a larger group who don't live in your area and let them help you. Those are easy things, right? That will require flexing muscles, again, that you probably don't know you have. But there are other things that are maybe more formal. So like for me personally, I took the route a few years ago of getting my MBA. That is not for everyone, not at all. But it was a way to kind of formalize some training and some exposure and skill sets with uh, various sorts of skills and expertise that otherwise I wouldn't use on a day-to-day. But it makes me a better business owner, right? It makes me have more grounded business decisions. Now, I think those are some great tips. A big thing I heard in all of that was peer support people that have been there already. So you own a marketing company. So you probably know a thing or two about marketing. Isn't that fair? Sure. Where's this going? (laughs) (laughs) No. So one of the things that you mentioned early on is these guys that really pushed into marketing and how marketing can really move the needle on the business. And I know there's this belief, hey, if I invest more in marketing, it'll generate more leads. It'll give me more sales. Business will be awesome. Everything will be great. But then you have this line here, great marketing makes a bad product fail faster. A little contrary there. So marketing isn't always good, but I know you believe that digital marketing can really move the needle on your business, especially if you're in that place where you're looking to get out of the truck or you're looking to get more trucks on the road. So help us with that a little bit. What are some ways our listeners can use digital marketing to move the needle on their business? Yeah, great question. So I don't want to get into the whole like concept, but there's an idea called a conversion funnel. Basically, every person goes through this, whether or not you're buying a pair of shoes or a bike or buying a house or a toaster, it doesn't matter. But the idea is that people at the bottom of the funnel, they're ready to make a decision. And for much of the trades and much of the blue collar space, people aren't just sitting around their couch on a Thursday afternoon going, hey, I wonder what electrician is around me just because I'm curious. They don't do that way. They only look for an electrician because something is wrong. They need a solution now. Now there's some exceptions, like remodeled, they're going to take their time making a decision. But for the most part, a lot of the blue collar trades, it's bottom of the funnel. Your customers are making a decision. That's why you're engaged. So first off, tighten up the bottom of the funnel. If the bottom of the funnel has holes, if your website doesn't rank, if your website doesn't convert, if people can't find you in Google My Business, if they do find you in Google My Business, if your reviews suck, there is no step two without addressing those things. Those things have got to be dealt with. Otherwise, you're just going to pour good money after bad and it's going to be wasting it. Tighten up the bottom of the funnel. 
Once the bottom of the funnel is right and you know when people are looking for you, they're finding you. And once they hit your website, they're converting. Once they find your GMB, they're impressed with your reputation. Then you move up the funnel. Start fleshing out things like social media. Start doing things like email, like both cold email strategies and repeat nurture strategies. Try to find ways to stay in front of customers' eyeballs. If you have a product or service, it's the long acquisition process. I mentioned like remodeling. Nobody's making a decision on a bathroom remodel tonight. Like nobody's going to do it. They're going to take their time. They're going to look at different examples, hit them with the display retargeting ad. Keep these things in front of them. But the whole bottom line is if the bottom of the funnel, which tends to be the problem, if it's broken, it doesn't matter how many billboards or how many TV or how many direct mail you run or how many times you canvas a neighborhood with flyers. When people are trying to make their decision and they look for you, the tools and mechanisms of place will fail, hands down. And if they fail, you wasted all that money. So make sure, focus on the bottom of the funnel. When you do that, it's much easier to move up the funnel. And that is when you start seeing those massive ROI impacts year over year. I think that's great. So what I heard in that was really understand the way that your customers are making a buying decision. You Nobody decides to remodel a bathroom tonight. So if you're running ads to get them to convert tonight, that's probably not going to happen. But I know if my toilet gets clogged and starts spilling out everywhere, I'm going to make that decision really quick. (laughs) I'm not going to be shopping too much. So know your client and then focus on the thing that is going to convert them the quickest, which would be the bottom of the funnel. So I love that. So just to go back, I just want to go back to the two takeaways here that I got. I just want to sum them up. So the first one I heard is to break out of this comfort. If you're in this comfort cycle, or if you're a little nervous about what's going on in the economy today with COVID and other things, trade associations, peer support, education, like improve yourself is really what it is, is work on yourself and then get the support you need. Is that accurate? Yeah. The idea is that we all have blind spots, right? But you don't know what they are. So you need other people around you who are better than you, smarter than you, further down the road from you. They help make you better. They help you see your blind spots in a way you can't. I love that description there, seeing the blind spots. And then the second one is if I want to use marketing to really improve my business, don't go into it thinking, oh, there's all these things and I'm going to do all of them okay. It's really figure out the way that your customer is making the buying decision and focus on results there. Then once you've got that really good, then you can move up the funnel and start working on more of the longer term, staying in front of them, those kinds of things. Absolutely right. That's great. So we talked about a lot here in 20 minutes or so. And I know there's some people going, you know what? This sounds awesome, Ryan. I love your ideas. I love your thoughts, but how do I do this? If they want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah. So it's really easy. You can actually go visit our website at dpmarketing.services. That's DP as in digital plumber marketing.services. And there's a giant green button, just hit schedule a call. That will take you right to our calendar. We can get you on there and make an introduction and see what's up in your world. And we've talked a lot about plumbing and HVAC, but you also work with home service companies just in general, correct? Yeah. Plumbing and HVAC is definitely our sweet spot, but any sort of crisis oriented, low trust business, we're right up the alley, right? Nobody looks forward to having to call a plumber. Nobody looks forward to having to call a pest control guy. So it's just any of those businesses that kind of meet that low of the funnel, that's crisis mode and they don't trust you from the get-go. Yeah, that's our sweet spot. And for those listeners that are willing to take you up on that learning recommendation you gave and getting 
just a little bit more knowledge about the business or marketing, you've got a free giveaway for them. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we are giving away only 10 copies. So here's the deal. I literally wrote the book on digital marketing for plumbing and HVAC contractors. You're welcome to pick it up on Amazon, but for the listeners of this podcast, we have a giveaway. If you go to our website, dpmarketing.services slash BCC, you'll be able to sign up. The first 10 people who sign up will be able to get this to them. We'll get them in the mail. There's no pressure. It is literally a, I don't want to say a DIY guide, but it does walk you through check marking of how to set up your website, how to set up your ads, how to go through social media planning. It is a tactical book to guide you through how you make decisions. And if nothing else, I know a lot of our guys use it that we work with just to like fact check these marketers who talk to them because there's no BS, there's no crap, there's no snake oil. It's just process and science and methodology. So use it as a guide to make sure you're not being sold a bunch of crap. Use it to grow your business, whatever you want to do. But for the first 10 people who sign up, we got that on the house. We're even covering shipping. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks, Ryan. So if you're listening to this and you want to know more about this marketing and being able to fact check, I love that part. The guys that are already calling on you, or if you even want to get a hold of Ryan, go check out his website. We've got that link in the show notes. Hey, Ryan, I want to thank you for being here with us today. I've learned a lot, had a great conversation, and I know that our listeners are going to think that this information is really relevant and valuable. Thank you so much. Man, it was my pleasure. Thanks for the invite and hope everyone is driving safely wherever they're driving to. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.